But what's interesting about this morning is we're going to talk about heaven. There is pieces we can conceive. <laughs> and when it comes to pieces that we can conceive, we want to hang on to them and try to understand, understand them. So, uh, but, uh, so just kind of uh, relax as we look into these, look into these topics. Um, just announcements, basic announcements, is next week there's no class. Um, I was going to be in Hawaii next week, um, but uh, with my mother-in-law going into um, um, going to hospice, we canceled that trip, postponed that trip to June. Um, but I think I'm just going to take next week off, so you guys take it off too. So don't come to class um, next week. Um, and then the next week after that, we have no class because it is Easter weekend, and we're doing a concert during all the services, but we're not going to have a class that's, that's, in, that's inside. And then it's going to get really confusing. I should have just given you guys a, a, an outline. But the month of April, um, I'm going to be gone. Where I'm going to be is I'm going to be doing the marriage retreats. Every weekend, um, Pastor D and myself are going to do the marriage retreats because we just want to get to know people on a, um, a smaller stage. And also, we're excited about marriages. And we said, we don't want to hire any speakers. We just want to be with, <laughs> be with our people. So, sorry, I just called you our people. We are being very, very selfish. We want to get to know you guys more. So, um, we're going to do that for four weeks. Um, during that time, Jerry McIntosh is going to be doing this class. Jerry McIntosh is a phenomenal teacher. He's one that does another class, and whenever he does another class, I lose half my people because they go listen to him. So he's going to do this class here in the sanctuary. So he's going to do it right here, and he's going to do it for four weeks. And then after he does it for four weeks, we're having the drama, so there will be no class. And then I will come in and do seven weeks on the doctrine of the church. So... So that's kind of how it's going <laughs> to take place. So there's seven weeks in there that I'm not, you know, it's, it's great. I'm just going to not work. <laughs> just kidding. That's, that's where we're at. So we're going to close up. Death, die, and heaven, and hell. And I said the structure is not right. It's death, die, and hell, and heaven because I want to leave you guys on a happy note. It's going to be a happy note. So we're talking about heaven instead of hell today. So just looking at this, um, when it general perspective. We talked about the New Jerusalem, and we'll talk about the New Jerusalem again. We'll mention it, but general perspective of how we look at the entire piece of heaven. Let's say that there is three heavens. Number one, according to the Bible, there are three heavens. Now, how do we know that there are three heavens? Well, we know an individual who went to heaven, and his name was Paul. And when we went to heaven, he called the heaven he went to, the third heaven. Look at this passage, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. He's somewhere. But the place that he is at is called a third heaven. So if it's called a third heaven, what do you have to have if you have a third heaven? You have to have a, you have to have a one and you have to have a two. So what is the one, and what is the two, and what is the three? <laughs> so we're just going to look at this. Number um, uh, A, the, oh, that's a th the third heaven is beyond the stars. Sorry, I read that verse. No, I'm sorry, I'm number A to this. The third heaven is beyond the stars. This is where the third heaven is located. 
So when you look up at the stars and you see the stars, there's something that's beyond, beyond them. I believe that that's where the third heaven is. It's called the, the resting place of God. What does that third heaven look like? I have no idea what's taking place inside of it. No idea, but it's beyond, beyond the stars. The reason why I would say that it's beyond the stars is because letter B gives the second heaven. This is what I believe according to the Bible. Letter B gives the second, second uh, the, I'm sorry, the first heaven. The first heaven is the atmospherical heaven. See, I'm getting confusing. Because I started at three, now I'm going one, and I'm going two. <laughs> first heaven is beyond the stars. I'm sorry. The third heaven is beyond the stars. The first heaven, see if I put it in order, but I couldn't explain it if I put it in order. The third heaven is beyond the stars. The first heaven is an atmospherical heaven, meaning that it's on this, this earth. Where do we get that? Psalms 104. 12. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. Is this a bird from outer space? It's not a bird from outer space. It's a bird that's where? On this world. And then he does what? He calls it heaven. They lift up their voices among the branches. Now, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we talked about a new earth. What is the new earth? The new earth is planet, but it's new. <laughs> is this planet, but it's new. So the first heaven is almost, I would just say, an earth, a globe, a spot. Now on this earth and globe, a spot, what we talked about the last couple of weeks, is going to be the city called the New Jerusalem. Okay, so first heaven is, I'll just say earth, but it's going to be the new earth. Number C, the second heaven is a starry heaven. What is that? That's the universe. It comes out in the night. When it comes out in the night, what do you see? You see the stars. And the Bible calls this the third, or the, the, it doesn't call it the second heaven, but makes mention of it. Isaiah 13, 10. The stars of what? Of heaven, and the constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. So now it's talking about the stars being heaven. Planet Earth being heaven, stars being heaven, and then the third heaven would be the one that is beyond. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens. You notice that is what? Plural, but then he created something else, the earth. So in this passage, you see all three. I created the earth, and I created the stars, and I created in the, thir in the third heaven. So you see, you see that, that mentioned. So I'm just going to give you a picture because that explains it the most. Here's a picture of what my understanding of what heaven looks like. First heaven is right, i got to turn this on. First heaven, of course, is here, atmospherical heaven. Here is the second uh, heaven, which would be the starry space heaven. And then here's the third heaven, who knows on what's going on up there, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty big. Now, this is before Jesus come in the New Jerusalem and all this thing. This is the way it is right now. This is the way that the Bible speaks of it. You know, the earth, the birds, the space, and then also the heaven that takes place, that takes place there. Now, one thing about the heavens right now, and I'm just going to talk about right now. One thing about the heavens right now is that God created them and upholds them. Number two, Christ created and upholds all the heavens 
with his power. So, all the heavens, meaning what? He upholds the earth. Does he uphold the stars? Does he uphold the heavens beyond? Hebrews 1.3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Meaning that is there a star that is alone? Is there a galaxy that is alone? Is God upholding absolutely everything? And then I'll ask the question, is God upholding me? You know, how, how big is this God that we worship? Here we have a passage in Colossians that say, I created and I uphold. He, this is talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Is there a star out there alone? There is not. Is there a galaxy out there alone? There is not. Is there a person here alone? There is not. God created us. Jesus created us. And Jesus upholds us. That is a truth we know from the Word because the truth is spoken. Therefore, next time it gets night outside and you look up, say, wow, we have a good God that is where? That is everywhere. So with that in mind, let's ask some questions. Will the person who created the heavens and the earth be limited to the space called new earth? Will the person who created the heavens and the earth be limited to the space called new earth? Now we're talking a little bit into the God area. How big um, is God? And when he comes and all the glory comes with him and heaven is granted to us, remember this is after the millennium, after this coming of Christ, after all those things, heaven is coming to us, where are we going to be limited? Are we going to be limited to the new earth? Are we going to be limited to the new Jerusalem? Is Christ going to be limited to the new earth? Is Christ going to be limited to the new Jerusalem? Or is he going to be maybe in the second heaven? (laughs) Maybe in the third heaven? Ephesians 4.10 says, He who descended is himself, also he who ascended, far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Now, you got two words in there that is kind of interesting. The interesting thing is he descended, meaning that he traveled from where? Traveled from heaven to earth? We hear those words, but what are we talking about? I traveled from heaven to earth. Oh, it's also when I ascended, that means I traveled from earth to heaven. There's somebody that's making a trip that has taken place. What kind of trip is he going through? Is he going through the heaven, the space, to the heavens? What's he, what's he saying? Ascended, descended. There's also a passage in John 20 that Mary brought up a couple of weeks ago. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, um, he gave Mary a very bold instruction. Let's look at this instruction. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended, I have not yet traveled to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am, I'm going to go on a trip, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. 
Listen to that passage. He's very descriptive. I'm going to go to my Father and to my God, and I will travel to your Father and also to your God. I'm going to make a journey. How long did that journey take him? It took him a Sunday afternoon. John 20. Then he said to Thomas, do what? Put your fingers here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. You see what's taking place is Jesus says, don't touch me. I've got to make a trip. Comes back from his trip and says, okay, now you can touch me. Where did he go? He went to be with his father. Now, let's look at this from a human perspective. Now, William Sangster is the one that has done this study, and I will tell you that's not the way to interpret Scripture, but it's awfully fun to look at. Um, And the way that it's fun to look at is we want to try to use the human mind to figure out what in the world Christ is doing. If God is in the third heaven, which he is because that's where Paul saw God, um, and he took a trip that took him a Sunday afternoon, how fast did he travel? It's a legitimate human question, wouldn't you think? I think it's a legitimate human question. Let's look at this. The closest star is 4.37 light years away. It is 25 trillion miles. 4.37 light years away, that's 25 trillion miles to the first star. That's a long ways. (laughs) To where? To star number one. Now, once you get to star number one, you got to get into the galaxies. The edge of the galaxy is 100,000 light years away, which would be 2,500,000 trillion miles. We know science. <laughs> this, we, 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 we've got some understanding of how large, how large this is. This is. But we're only in the first galaxy. That's only to the first galaxy. Let's look at it again. The next galaxy, number two galaxy, is 179,000 light years away. I'm not doing miles anymore because my math got heavy. And I have to confess, I didn't do any of this research. Steve did the research (laughs) because he's a lot more better a math person than I am. Steve did the research and said, oh, the next galaxy is 179,000 light years away to the next galaxy. One galaxy, and then you got the next galaxy. This is a huge difference there. Now, you think that's a long ways? This is our study. This is what we know as human beings. There's an estimated to be 100 billion galaxies. 100 billion galaxies on top of that. Where do we get 100 billion galaxies? We have people that our minds are smoking, telescopes that are being made, and we're figuring this out that it is so huge. But I love the last comment in the study. As our telescope's technology improves, they're thinking there could be, we might as well just double it, 200 billion galaxies beyond that. This is just beyond (laughs) what the human mind goes over. And you get to the point, what's the difference? Let's ask a question. How fast did Jesus travel? (laughs) I mean, we we can talk about the human mind. If he went to the third heaven, how fast did Jesus travel? Is there anything that our mind can conceive on how fast that he can travel? The only, this is William Sangster talking, the only thing that our mind can conceive of how fast he traveled is traveling at the speed of 
thought. <laughs> That's it. That's the only thing that you can think about when it comes to a scientific God, which is really interesting because he is a scientific God. Everything has a formula inside of his creation. Does that mean everything has a formula in space as well? Yes, everything has a formula in space as well. Therefore, I think that he would give a measurement on how fast he traveled because he went to his father and then he came back and he said, go ahead and touch me. Here's Paul, 2 Corinthians, I just want to mention again, because he went to the third heaven. You have the earth as one heaven. You have um, the starry canopy as the other heaven. And Paul did what? Traveled to the third heaven. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know. Whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He's almost confused. I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on, but I went on a trip. I mean, is, is what he's saying. God knows such a man is caught up in the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows there's a confusing person that took a trip that went to the third heaven. How fast did he travel? We don't really know, but we can think about it. Maybe the speed thought. I don't know. Try to think of something. Number four, will the heaven, new heaven and new earth be bigger than this one? Who gives a rip? <laughs> because what we know, it's big enough. It's big enough. Who really cares if it's bigger or smaller? Because we can't, every time we calculate a, micro, a, a telescope, we just get more and more lost into the space that God has created, that God has put together. So when you think of heaven, I tell you it's fascinating. Fascinating of the size, and we know the size because it gets dark outside, and we put the telescopes in the air, and for some stupid reason, we're not fascinated. I mean, I'm not saying us. I'm just saying the world is not fascinated by what God has put in place and as he created it and upholds it. I think that's very interesting, but there's something else that's even more interesting. We're going to start talking again about the New Jerusalem. Remember what the New Jerusalem is? Is the New Jerusalem comes out of the third heaven and goes down to where? Through the universe and then lands onto this planet called the New Earth. How big is the New Earth? I don't know. But we know the size of the New Jerusalem. What's interesting is that when Jesus says, let me tell you about this Jerusalem, this city, this place, the capital of the heavens, <laughs> the capital of the universe. Now, when he's telling us this a, a matchless understanding of this capital of the entire universe, it's, fun it's funny that he goes, let me give you the dimensions of it. He always does that. He gives the dimensions of the temple. Let me tell you how big it is. All the glory of God's going to rest right there in the temple. He gives us the dimensions of Ezekiel's temple. Oh, temple in the millennium. Let me tell you how big it is. And then he gives us the dimensions of the temple. He gives us in the tribulation, the temple. Gives us the dimensions of the temple. You look at all those and you read Exodus, like what's all these dimensions about? He's given us the dimensions of where his glory will rest. When he says, I'm going to give you the new Jerusalem, which is going to be the city of the universe, I want to give you the dimensions. And he speaks, it's funny because if you look at the Bible, you know, it's not really that technical, but it is because he's trying to speak in the human language. Watch how John fumbles through it. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod. 
It's not a tape measure. (laughs) It's a gold measuring rod to measure the city, which is the New Jerusalem, and its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is a great as it is width. And the measuring the city with this rod, how big? He's going to give it into human miles. 1,500 miles is what John gave us. Its length and its width is height and is, are equal. And the measured its wall 72 yards, then he puts down, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. This is the inspired word of God. I'm going to give you human measurements, but, you know, I have the whole universe up there, and I'm in charge of everything. So the human measurements are the same as the angelic measurements. <laughs> so which is, I'm trying to give you an understanding. Don't try to spiritualize this New Jerusalem. I'm trying to tell you where the capital of the universe is going to rest in the size of the capital of the universe. 1,500 miles. How big is that? Cut the United States in half from height, from and, and it's, um, I, I, have it, I have it measured, the U.S. vertical is 15, 1,582 miles, so just take out 82 miles. That is from Canada to Mexico. You have that length right there. And then cut the United States in half, and then you have the other length. What do you have? You have the new Jerusalem, and you know how big it is. How big is it in compared to the universe? It is I hate to say it, small. It's interesting how God is, is, is working here. A God who has the entire universe that upholds everything, beyond the stars, beyond the canopy of heaven, beyond absolutely everything, and he puts this city in the universe and says, this is the capital, 1,500 square miles. And don't forget, it's also 1,500 square miles what? Up. How are we going to get up? Stairs? <laughs> I don't think so. It's just a question. I don't know how we're going to get up, but um, I think that we um, could be do some flowing or fight, uh, flying or maybe traveling the speed of thought. <laughs> I, I don't know, but that one piece is going to hold all the glory of God in this new earth. Why? What's the dimensions of a fence post? What's the dimensions of a fence post? A fence post is what, 12 by 12? That's a railroad tie. The reason why I know is because I put like a 96 in, into my property. 12 by 12. A dimension of a cross that God has hung on. Ground zero is 12 by 12 taking place again in the New Jerusalem. This is where I'm going to drop my city from the universe. And I'm going to place it right on top of of that, and I'll make it a little bigger than a 12 by 12. I'll give it 1,500 square miles, which I think is, there's an estimate, and this is just dreams, 76 acres per person. I don't know, but that would be in the capital of the new Jerusalem that, that, that takes place in what's happening. So what's taking place in heaven? Something huge is going to happen. It's going to come from the heavens go through the universe, travel down there. It's going to land on the earth. For Somehow it's going to be the new heavens. It's going to be new earth with the new Jerusalem. And then we have the starry canopy above. What's interesting about this is that in six days, Jesus made the, uni- the earth and the heavens. But how long has he been working on heaven? 
for 2,000 years. Look at this verse here, John 14. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So when he shows up, we're going to do this slide again. When he shows up, what is going to take place? Who knows what's going to take place, but our mind can conceive a little bit, because we can't conceive this part, you know, the space part, because it's too big. But our mind can conceive a little bit. I almost think that this thing is going to break right here. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. This thing's going to break. There's going to be a, a new heavens. And how big is it? <laughs> Who cares? I mean, it's so big that we can't even imagine. All this is going to be developed again. There is going to be a new earth, and on that new earth, there is going to be a Jerusalem that's 15 square miles, square miles long. And that's, that's an estimate, estimate of what is going to happen, and all that has been prepared for 2,000 years to come down. And don't ever forget that this only took six days to, to, to get um, put into place. Number five, the new Jerusalem will be the capital the new earth will be the planet, and the heavens, I think they'll be accessible. <laughs> That's just me. That's just, why would he create all that and not have it accessible? Remember what we said before is that Jesus right now upholds all things, and in Revelation, I'm, I'm mixing our, our, all, all of our lessons that have taken place. In Revelations, it says that we will never be outside of the, so, the sight of God. So if, if he is upholding all things, and we are always going to be with him. And then in Romans, it says that you are his, his heirs. What does that mean? That means that we are connected, working together in the process of heaven. Romans 8, 15 says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs of Christ, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory." We read this passage and we just move right over it. But if you really look at it, we are what? Co-heirs with Christ. Remember, Christ upholds, Christ created, Christ is there. What is a co-heir? If my father had $100,000 and he was dying and he leaves my brother and I an inheritance and my brother receives $1,000, this is the way I set it up, and I receive $99,000, we are heirs we are heirs. But what is a co-heir? A co-heir is that he receives $50,000 and I receive $50,000. There's this equal share, and I just, I, I, I don't even want to say this out loud because it's almost ridiculous. There's an equal share with Christ. Christ upholds the heavens and created the heavens. I think we're going to have access to the, um, to the, um, to the starry canopies of to the to the to the heavens, co-owners means receive fifty thousand dollars apiece. So, looking at um, a verse, just to kind of summarize this before we get all you know questions come out. And actually, I have a, um, some slides we want to go through after we summarize it. But there's a uh, there's a passage in Matthew that kind of just explains what you're going to get if you're in Christ. 
Matthew 5, 3-5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. How big is it? Ooh, we don't know. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Remember when we studied the New Jerusalem? Talked about there'll be no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying. What is Jesus doing here? He might be explaining what heaven looks like. It's the same thing as the New Jerusalem. Blessed is the gentle, for they, for they shall inherit the earth. Has God left the earth out of it? No, he's going to give us a new one. What is that going to look like? We don't know. But blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What is in the New Jerusalem? River of life, tree of all life. Remember all things new, the satisfaction that comes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. No more pain, no more curse, which was mentioned in the last couple weeks. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our eyes will never be taken off of God in heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Heaven is completely described by the person that carries these things. Um, What's it look like? It's going to be huge. It's going to be beyond our comprehension. What does this look like? Well, I understand how to be merciful. I understand to be poor in spirit. These are the people that are going to receive the kingdom of God. So we're going to go through some pictures. And uh, this was going to take place last week, but uh, we'll just do it this week. Um, to be honest with you, I'm very um, sad with how our, how our world portrays heaven. <laughs> And uh, so I went via Google, and I know this is, this is just pictures that, that come up, um, and I look at, these, look at these pictures, and as we look at these pictures, I want you guys to think, well, what's wrong with these pictures? Now, we're not trying to be critical, but what's wrong with these pictures in view of the glory and majesty of the Scripture that introduced heaven to us? So we're just going to go through these pictures. What would be wrong um, with with this picture. Is there anything wrong with this picture? This is Christ coming and returning. And we're just not being extremely critical and not frustrating, but what is this picture missing? You guys can just shout it out and I'll repeat it. Say again? White horses. It's missing, it's missing, it's missing white horses. <laughs> That's exactly right. The other thing, what's missing right there? No? Look really closely. Scars. You're missing the scars in his hands. What's wrong with these? They look, they look human. What are angels? They are not made in the image of God. All the angels are displayed as beautiful women. Um, they're not really <laughs> what they look like. Man is the only one that is made in the image of God. What do angels look like? I have no idea. Isaiah talks about double wings, double... Oh, yeah, it goes on and on. Double eyes, eyes in the back of the heads. So let's go to the next one. Maybe. Ah, there it is. I think they did a little bit better with the angels. You think they did better with the angels? I think they did better with the angels. Um, and in regards to this piece, uh, what's the staircase? Where do we get the staircase? Staircase to heaven. We get it from, um, this is a good picture, we get it from um, Jacob had a dream, a staircase to heaven. So who is the staircase? 
It is Jesus. Is this picture appropriate? No. Why is this picture not appropriate? Because you still have the staircase there. Jesus is the staircase to heaven. You don't climb the stairs to heaven. You don't climb up there. In fact, that looks exhausting. Jesus is the staircase to heaven. And he travels the speed of thought <laughs> that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be good. So, all right, what's the next one? Just going through this. Okay, what's what's taking place here? You're getting a city, but where are you getting the city? You get in the clouds. Clouds irritate the living daylights out of me. Why do we have clouds? Whenever we think of heaven, we think of clouds. Pure. But does, but does Revelation, when it talks about New Jerusalem, ever give clouds? It gives what? It gives, it gives city. <laughs> it, gives, it gives city, but often we think of clouds. How many people have said, you know, it's not to be really boring in heaven. What are we going to do, sit in clouds and do a harp? Well, <laughs> when you read the Bible, it opens up city beyond and universe um, to travel. So the whole cloud thing, almost every heaven shows, shows clouds. Yes, Jesus coming in cl- is coming in the clouds, but as he is coming in the clouds, I think that's mentioned to give us a distance. You don't say, Jesus is coming from the universe, because then you start going, well, how big is he? But when he comes in the clouds, we'll go, we'll know how big is he, because we can see the clouds. It's giving us a distance. Now, another place in Psalms is that, you know, that uh, God rides in the clouds of the wind. His chariots are on the, the clouds. You know, that's just saying how he moves. It's saying the excitement of, of those things. It kind of throws out clouds as something that's majestic and something that's cool. But heaven goes so far beyond clouds. So far beyond clouds. The city is good, but is that the New Jerusalem? No. What's the New Jerusalem? should be a square. should be a, a cube. A cube. Not a square. It should, be, it should be a cube. But this what's a cube? How come that's beautiful? We don't know. <laughs> if you say to the human being, the cube's coming, he's, ah, that's, not, that's not beautiful. Um, what's this right up here? Rainbow? What in the world's a rainbow doing up there? It's supposed to represent that God will not flood the earth again. Um, I don't know. Did they put the rainbow up there? I, I, think it should be, I think it should be gone. I mean, if you think about it, I'm not going to flood the earth again. We're in the new heavens and new earth. There's no sea. I mean, if there's no sea, then there's not this fear of anything being flood. So I just, I, you know, I'd personally get rid of the rainbow. And I think that these stars right here might be a little bit too dark. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> but what is the universe going to look like? I don't know. But it's going to be fascinating. Let's go to the next one. Better move a little bit faster. So, so now, now what's, what's going on here? Again, we have, you know, angels that are made into the image of man. Um, that necessarily won't be... Um, wouldn't be correct. We do have clouds. seems like we always have to put clouds in heaven because we must float. Um, but do we float or do we travel by the speed of thought? Um, I don't know how fast we travel, but there is something about, you know, we move very, um, could be moving very aggressively, or we might not be moving aggressively. He might just say, I'm just going to confine you here, and you can look up the heavens like we do now. You know, I don't know. All I know that he travels. Um, so, and you got, yeah, you got the, you got the horses. Jesus comes in horses, so you got to put the wings on the horses to make it attractive to us. You have, again, stairs. Get rid of the stairs. <laughs> stairs are exhausting. So anyway, that's my opinion. Go ahead in the next one. Okay, what do we have here? We've got the lion laying down with the lamb. And we have, what is that? That's a, a wolf. No, it's a dog and a cat. And then we have a wolf and, and, a, and a sheep. And oh, what do we have here? We have Dan and Francis breaking the heaven rules. (laughs) 
Last week we said you're not going to be married when you're, you're, you're in heaven. And you get, look at back here. There's Terry and Wendy. They're getting behind a tree. What are you guys getting behind a tree for? <laughs> That's, that's not necessarily going to take place. You know, there is a stream, there's a, there's a water. We better just move on. All right, moving to the next slide. Um, again, the New Jerusalem is going to bring, bring in a cube. You know, this is going to be clear as crystal. That's more clear as gold. But, you know, it's all right. We're just, we're just playing with pictures. Again, you have the rainbow. Why is rainbow? Because they're beautiful. Anything beautiful, you've got to put up there because it's heaven. And then you have the stars. You have the trees. Remember, there is uh, one tree that goes across the streams. It's one. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's, it's interesting. Okay, the next one. Um, this one is, uh, um, again, it's not cubed, so that doesn't you know, make much sense. But I think, I don't know, but something like this is going to take place. There's way too much dark there because God's glory is going to shine everywhere. But something radical is going to take place because we see in Revelations that the sky will roll back like a scroll. Um, that means that the sky will be there and the universe will then be present as the sky rolls back and heaven is going to come down. What does that look like? Who knows? All right, next. So here is, uh, uh, what's wrong with this picture? This is the New Jerusalem. It kind of looks like a spaceship <laughs> more than anything. Um, you need to get rid of this top because it's supposed to be a cube, and we think cubes are not that beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> just the, it's just the way it is. But what's this? Let's go back to the other picture. Back to the other. Okay, what's, what's that right there? No, this is, this is Jerusalem, and you have the temple walls right here, and that right there is a mosque. That is the mosque that has been placed on the new temple. Now, what happens at the end times? At the end times, the Antichrist goes into the temple, and as he goes into the temple, he will announce that he is who? He is God. That means that thing is no longer going to exist. Now, the Jews have, how is that thing going to be destroyed? Um, the Jews have these, they, uh, they can be ready to build the temple in three months. I went to Jerusalem and they were talking about this. We can build the temple in three months, but you can't just do anything in Israel or you have complete war. But Jews are ready to build this temple in three months. This thing has to be gone. How is it going to go? You know, some of their um, Muslims are very superstitious. And if there is anything, earthquake or anything that touches that, they're running. And if they run, Jews will instantly take over. That temple will be built. And as that temple is built, the Antichrist will come in and say, I am God. And so all this is going to be changed before the new Jerusalem comes down. Just to look at that. All right, the next one, um, you get the cube that is, is, is pretty, I like the color of that, but where do you get that color? The only way you can get that color is if you put black behind it. So remember that there is no, um, that light shines everywhere and there's no shadows. What is it going to look like? I don't know. It's just going to be fascinating. But you have all this black behind it. The black's all got to go. Again, they put the moss there, but that's because um, they're trying to explain where this is at, which is Jerusalem. Because if you see that, you know it's Jerusalem. Um, so this is pretty cool. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to come down. And it's, it's going to be a whole lot bigger than that. So it's going to be 1,500 miles. But anyway, all right, we'll do the next one. Um, I just pulled this one out. What's the universe this going to look like? I don't know. <laughs> but these guys are trying. I mean, I mean, it's like, whoa, what's going what's gonna to take place? Who knows what is going to take place? But it's fun to think about. All I know 
is the people that make the comment, what are we going to do in heaven? Sit and worship God all day? There's going to be absolutely nothing to do. Therefore, I might as well live it up on earth so I can at least live a life that is a lot of fun. <laughs> That's foolish speaking. Because when heaven takes place, we know the size of it. It's just a glimpse because you have the universe. We know our emotions. Those emotions will still be here. We know our body. We will still be in body. So did we get a lot of information today? Not a lot because a lot of the information is beyond our mind, but we can get a small glimpse of how beautiful it's going to be. That picture there is a picture of outer space with a possibility of heaven coming into outer space. What it might look like? But we don't know. And we can't describe it in a, in a photo. <laughs> you, can, you can still fish. That's right. You can still fish. All right. We got questions. Lots of questions that are coming up. Yeah. The image you're looking at right now, that's actually a uh, Hubble uh, space uh, uh, photo. And it is called the Gates of uh, Heaven. I, <laughs> I sometimes look at the uh, different images, and I'm just constantly amazed at the different, you know, beautiful images from the uh, Hubble Space Station. God is not only a creator, he is an artist. I mean, this is billions of light years out, and they're constantly, you know, trying to look out further and further. But that's actually, a, that's not an artist. That's actually one of the Hubble uh, images of, uh, you know, our universe. There we go. That's, that's it. That's not somebody who's drawing something. That's why we have scientists. That's why we have scientists there instead of yeah. just preachers. And here's Steve. Now we got a mathematician as well. <laughs> we like it. Man, we're trying to figure out what this I, looks like. <laughs> I just wanted to say that from the Earth to space is 62 miles. So... 1,432, you know, 38 miles of it will be in outer space. So you will have to roll back the heavens, and it will be in outer space like that. Is there gravitational pull at 1,500 miles high? There's going to be, uh, yeah, you have satellites in orbit. It'll be like that. It'll be like that. Wow. But we're getting, This is. you're talking about the, um, the New Jerusalem, and but here you're talking about the heaven. So that's two different things. Like in the New Jerusalem, there probably will be shadows, but in heaven, there won't, right? Hmm. Good question. I don't know. The New Jerusalem talks about God's glory will shine and there will be no need for a sun. I thought that was heaven. No, that's New Jerusalem. Oh. That's a description of the New Jerusalem. So um, that's, a, that's a good question that I don't know the answer to because um, um, the New Jerusalem with no lights, I mean, I can't even see the glory. I do believe that the glory will always be seen, will always be shining, will always be going, but I can't even imagine the, the thought of zero shadows even in a forest, not less the New Jerusalem, not less the new the universe. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, personally, I, I, don't, know, I don't know that answer. But that is a fascinating, fascinating thing to think about. And Steve, it's a fascinating thing about how high that is. You say 62 miles is, is outer space. Wow, and we're talking 1,500 miles. It's interesting. 
um, from the reading I've done on the history of heaven mm -hmm. and heavens up in the clouds. Uh, parents taught their children when someone died, where are they? Well, they're up there. And are they, if they're good, if they're not good, they go down there. So the direction up has clouds in it so they can see there's a place up there. There's a place up there. Give them and, a spot. And it's full of clouds because you can see them. Mm -hmm. That's right. The other thing, one of your early uh, quotations of Bible verse, it talked about Christ rising above all the heavens. So does that mean he went past the third heaven into another heaven? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it says he went above all the heavens. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, good question. Yeah, we kind of specified three heavens and a whole bunch of universes. And I was wondering if anybody knows what divides them. What space divides the universe? How do we know when one ends and another one stops? And the same with the heavens. Mm -hmm. I think that between the heavens and the universe, there's no, um, there's no way that we can understand it, human-wise, human because um, we can't even get a telescope that understands how many galaxies. So um, that's go in my mind, that would go, that's God's information. What divides it? I have no idea. And I think that God says, <laughs> I'm going to make space so big that you guys can't even conceive it. When it comes to the earth, um, we know the dimensions of the earth. So when he creates a new earth, is the earth going to be bigger? Is the earth going to be smaller? Is the earth going to be the same? This is just me thinking. I think it'll probably be the same. The reason why is it's a new earth, and we know the dimensions of the new earth. And then now we know the dimensions of the new Jerusalem. So I would say that the earth would be the, on the ground. This is just my mind thinking, I don't know. Earth would be on the ground, this planet, with the capital being the new Jerusalem. And then, out, you know, who knows what's going to divide it from there on out. But there, I think there's going to be space that's going to be there. Good question. Uh, the, the question about how long it took Jesus to travel? Yeah. Well, and my understanding is that if he's omnipresent, he didn't have to travel. Good is that question. correct? He's already there. Yeah. What about Paul? Is he omnipresent? No. Oh, so he but, traveled. But he wasn't. Maybe he had to travel. <laughs> yeah. But is that, I, is that... When it comes to... I'll tell you the reason why I brought travel up. is because when we think of heaven, we think of clouds and we think of distance. But when we think of universe, we can't conceive distance, but God can. So the reason why I brought oh, you're going to travel, which he said he descended and ascended, is how trying to put our mind around the fact of what God is, how large he is, how omnipresent he is, what he created in six days, and those things. Get our mind a little bit off of the clouds and think, oh, holy cow, it's a lot bigger than that. And um, so when it comes to how fast he travels, traveled the speed of thought, he ascended, he descended, we can't think about it, there's no measurements to it, it's beyond our mind, it's beyond our head, heaven okay. is. He's already there then. He's already, <laughs> he's already there, and it's all coming down, and it will travel, but how fast is it going to travel, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to use, I think when we think of heaven, and this is what I'm challenging us to do, when I think of heaven, we use the spiritual mind, and we just, it's all spiritual. Everything's spiritual. And uh, as soon as we go spiritual mind, there's no reason for us to think. There's no reason for us to think about heaven. Oh, yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be good. So, yeah. But then you don't, you don't meditate on it. Well, 
when it comes, yes, the Bible is very spiritual, but the Bible gets so specific to the human mind and the description of heaven that don't think of heaven through the spiritual. Think of heaven through the logistical pieces of Scripture that God has given to us, and if we do, it will blow our mind. And as it blows our mind, we're going to worship, praise God, and fall flat on our face and say, wow, you're big. You know, that's, that's, that's where the challenge will be today is to think of it, because God's given it to us, of something we, can, we can't grasp, but we can touch. And that's what heaven has been given to us. But you talk to heaven about anybody, it's, oh yeah, it's a spiritual world. No, we know how big it is. Well, we don't know how big it is, but we know how far we can see how big it could be. I don't think God wants us to know the details. I had a brother died many, many years ago. He was 16 and I was 17. And he had been comatose for two or three days. And all of a sudden, he sat up in his bed and pointed at the wall. And he said, look at that light. That's the brightest light I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. He fell back on his bed and he was gone. And he never, I'm sure he saw it, but he didn't ever say anything about anything except the bright light. And that's probably all we're going to see is the bright light. (laughs) And that might be what the New Jerusalem is, a bright light. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So um, it's 11.15. We better stop. Thank you guys for sitting through the class. And we'll um, talk about the doctrine of the church starting in Mother's Day is when I'll speak. But Jerry will be speaking in April.